What's up, everybody? It's Cynthia Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. In today's interview, we are sitting down with Jason Valatin. And you may recognize that name, but in case you don't, Jason Valatin is on staff at Bethel Church in Redding, California. You've probably heard of Bethel Church. I'm sure some of you hear Bethel Church and you're like, yeah, Bethel's amazing. I love their worship or maybe you like their teachings. Some of you are probably way on the other end and you're like, I don't know how I feel about those guys. I think they're a little bit strange and I stay as far away from them as possible. And I'm sure a bunch of you are in the middle where maybe you don't have an opinion or you're not super bothered by it. Um, We don't really get into some of the theological things that have made Bethel stand out the last decade or so. Uh, That was not the focus of this. Jason is... Um, he is on staff at, at Bethel Church, but he's actually the founder of Braveco. So Braveco is a global men's movement, and he really he's been a counselor for you know two and a half decades, uh, helping people and especially guys through issues of identity, addiction, emotional well-being, and a whole bunch of other things. And that is really where we focus on today. So I just want to be upfront. You know, he is from Bethel Church. I know Bethel Church is uh, polarizing in the Christian world. And I want to let you know that we really don't talk about anything that would be potentially triggering or or I don't think anything that would really cause you to raise your eyebrows too much. Uh, we focus on the main things that we focus on in this podcast in general, which is helping you get free of porn addiction, helping you walk in the calling God's place on your life, and really helping you become the man that God has made you to be. So that was what we talked about. But what I really appreciate about Ajay is that he um, he's not afraid to get granular and really detailed. So you can just tell you're not getting canned responses from him. And I really appreciated that. And I felt like um, he shared some parts of his story as well that were quite personal. And the right in probably the middle of the interview, maybe two thirds of the way through, he really gets granular about dealing with pain. And I think that in of itself is totally worth the entire interview. So I hope you at least stick around to that point. And if you do stick around to the end, uh, you'll get to hear a little bit about what it means to leave a legacy, which is something you know I'm really passionate about, leaving a multi-generational legacy and what that looks like and how I asked him like very just like straight up, like, what are you doing? You know, like, how do you leave a legacy and what, what, how do you know you're going to successfully leave a legacy when you're only in your 40s and, you know, just kind of prying at that one a little bit. And, uh, and it was really interesting to hear his response. So uh, I think you're going to be super blessed by this. I honestly felt just very privileged to uh, to sit down with him and talk with him. He's very kind, very easygoing, and uh, and I think he'll grow a lot. So I just encourage you to sit back. I would say, you know, some interviews we have, they're very informative. You know, you get out your notepad and your pen and you write. This one, there's, there's moments for that for sure. But Jason's very um, conversational. There's a lot of... Um, I guess I would say pontificating on his end and a lot, of, a lot of kind of processing. So this is meant to feel a little bit more like we're kind of just sitting down in somebody's living room having a chat and uh, somebody sharing their thoughts and uh, we all get a chance to listen in on it. So without further ado, this is my interview with Jay Valentin. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right, well, I'm here with Jay Valentin from Bethel Church in California, founder of Brave Co. Men's Ministry. Uh, Jay, it's a real honor to have you, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm pumped to be here. 
Yeah, my, my first exposure to you and some of the stuff you specifically focus on was really you talking about emotional intelligence, emotional health, and that was in the context of, you know, going through a divorce and um, just a, a wild story. And I was like, okay, this, this guy's awesome. And, uh, you know, you and I come from kind of charismatic streams where sometimes the emotional part is embraced and other times it's totally rejected. And uh, I was I was really inspired and I just found your messaging really refreshing. But what you do now is is so much more than that. Um, you have this incredible message around family and uh, masculinity and all that stuff. So I want to get into all of it. But just as a starting point, why why are you so passionate about men's ministry, uh, masculinity? You've started Brave Co here in the last year. Where did all this passion come from? Yeah, it's great. Uh, growing up in the church a lot like you and <clears throat> actually when I was really young, my dad was telling me the story about David and his mighty men and pretty cliche, you know, for the church, it's pretty cliche. Yeah. Um, and I just, I found that when my dad was telling me that story, my heart was burning. I, because if you know the story, it's, it's David running, hiding for his life in these caves and, and um, all these outcasts, these men that were not wanted, these guys that were murderers and thieves were hiding with David. And while they spent time with him, they got transformed into mm -hmm. the man that God had created them to be. And then they went on their own exploits. Like one guy could kill a thousand guys, and two guys could kill 10,000 guys. And, you know, they just, they were literally transformed into who God designed them to be. And, and I remember telling my dad, I think I was 12 or 13. That's what I want to do. I want to take broken, oh. uh, impoverished, hurting people, and I want to transform them. And I actually, because I had a great father, he literally stewarded that word in my life and that desire in my life. So he uh, he would remind me at a very, very young age, you know, people need what you have. When you're at youth group, find somebody that needs help, help them. The lowest level of living is to go to church for yourself you know, as a believer, like step up to the highest calling. So he would tell me these things and impart like this courage and insight and inspiration behind the gifts that God had and the calling that God had given me. And so, you know, fast forward uh, so many years, 30, fast forward 30 years beyond that, you know, 41 today, hmm. I, we've all been so impacted by fatherlessness yeah. in the world not just in in our nation but you could just take our nation but the world fatherlessness is the number one issue in the world it is the real pandemic it is the the biggest the biggest issue that we have in the world today is fatherlessness if you look at all the the major uh stats that mostly uh, people want to solve, but a lot of Christians like uh, abortion would be a massive one, mm -hmm. uh, incarceration, addiction, um, uh, violence, all of it links directly back to fatherlessness, all of it. Hmm. No questions asked. And, you know, if we're going to heal our nation, you have to heal families. And the only way to really heal families is to heal fathers because fa this is, we live in the most fatherless generation in history that hasn't Crazy. come from war. Wow. We live in the most fatherless generation. So think about that. When a kid, if 
by the time a kid realizes that he's alive, probably what, 10 or 11, you realize like, oh, I, I don't know. You go from just like, just kind of living life to realizing like, wait, everyone else, everyone else has a dad. I don't have a dad. Or you realize your world, like there's some comparisons in the world. Hmm. It's one thing when you were 10, 11, 12, 13, even, even eight or seven and mom's saying, Hey, dad's at war fighting for us. It becomes this, this, the pride and this, this valiant thing that dad's doing. That's why he's not here as opposed to dad's not here because he just didn't want to be here. Hmm. Man, the amount of trauma and pain and abuse that, that is happening in the, in the homes or lack of homes in our kids today growing up is devastating. The results are devastating. Yeah. So the identity, you know, every, every kid was supposed to be born with, with security and comfort and good, strong identity and have those, those one-on-one uh, -on -one connections with mom and with dad. And then this collective, uh, type of feeling that I'm a part of, I'm a part of this group, this clan, this, uh, tribe, and together we are strong. We're Valentins or we're whatever, whoever you guys are, you know, whoever, everyone else is, we're supposed to have this, this identity, this group identity, but that gets so busted up and broken. And furthermore, by the time, by the time, people begin to understand the void and the pain that's come into their life. You know, I, I tell guys this a lot and I know you asked me one question and here I go. I'm on, I you found my great. soapbox. I'm on a this soapbox. Is, keep going, man. This is what I tell guys, it, people a lot when I'm speaking is where you're at today is probably not your fault. It's probably your responsibility. And here's what I mean by that is <clears throat> we don't ever, when you grow up, you don't just magically leave your past behind. You're every age you've ever been, unless you've reconciled that. So hmm. the, the, the boy that grew up that wanted dad to say, you're incredible, you're awesome, you're amazing. All growing up, I and mean, that's what the role of a father, right, is to to bring, to speak, impart identity, to direct, protect, uh, and, and promote. That's the role of a father. We could break those up, but to direct, uh, protect, and promote, or protect, provide, and promote. Sorry, protect, provide, and promote. Okay. And and when that goes absent, you have a, you have a whole bunch of needs that aren't being met. Well, needs that go unmet lead to pain. Well, what happens? Well, you start to begin to act out when you're young because you're in pain. You don't know how to get that pain met. You don't even know how to talk about that pain. You're not sure what the pain is. You just realize you're in pain. So you do all these things acting out to get those needs met. Well, by the time you're 15, 16, 18, 20, you've lived so much life out of pain. So much life has already been scripted and written for you. You already know who you are in this world. You already know how valuable you are in this world. That was stuff that was supposed to be given to you by the most important people in the world. 
Well, when the most important people in the world are broken, you get given a broken identity. A get, you get given a broken reality. And, and people are finding themselves at 17, 20, 25, 40, 45, feeling so in so much shame about their addiction, about their cycles, about their broken relationships. But you were never taught how to have a healthy relationship. And furthermore, you were handed just a, a complete bucket of pain when you were brought into this world. You were brought into this world in pain, in yeah. cycles, in, in confusion. And I think people need to, to realize that's, it's not your fault where you got brought into this world. In the view of the, the worldview that you were given, you were literally given. That was built for you. <laughs> but now it's your responsibility. Right. So, you know, that's a sorry to take so long on that, but I just feel like, okay. man, from from why I got into this, you know, how I got into this, then to why this is so important, and then what the real problem is, to me, those all three, they go together. And that's honestly this conversation is why I do what I do. I'm so fired up to see men really get well, get real tools to really walk out wholeness and healing and health and then to heal the most fatherless generation, right? So that we don't have a bunch of other boys because if you could train a boy, then you don't have to heal a father. So we would be able mm. to train our, our young men and our young women so that we have healthy generations coming up to, you know, to heal, to heal the things that are broken today. Yeah, that's so good, man. So good. Um, yeah, you covered a lot of ground there, but really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was good. It was really good. I guess I was just thinking about the responsibility thing because we talk about that so much here. Obviously, this is an addiction podcast and there's no recovery without taking responsibility. But it's interesting because when you think about, I guess as you were talking, I was asking myself, why? Why are we Why are we so fatherless as a generation? Why are our fathers leaving? Um, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, but I'm, I'm guessing at least a component is they have not taken their responsibility, you know, as man of the house or as a man in general, and certainly as a father. And I think what you're hitting on is so crucial, which is that you have to take responsibility because that's the only way you change this pattern. Like if, if you grew up in fatherlessness and you continue to deflect responsibility, to blame shift, to play the victim card, to basically abdicate your responsibilities, then actually you're just going to repeat the same errors. And I guess the question I want to ask you is, um, you know, you're, you're talking to probably a majority of our listeners who either have father wounds at the very least, but probably do have some fatherlessness in their lives, either yeah. physically or at least emotionally. Um, how do you how do you actually take that step? Um, because I imagine most of them have said, oh, I'm never going to be like my dad. But of course, we see these things repeat all the time, um, maybe because they just don't have the tools or they don't actually know what it means to live that out and, and change the, the cycle. So what, what, what would be a next step for somebody? Yeah. And, and I would love to answer your other question, too. Oh, sure. Go for it. Why is there so much fatherlessness? Yeah, let's do it. And where, is it okay if I answer that really quick? Please, yeah, yeah. Because I think it's super important. It, it link, you know, we can link the two together. Um, where, when there's no reward or very little reward for being responsible, eventually people go, "Well, why carry the burden of responsibility if I can get the same thing for free?" And let me explain hmm. it um, 
in in the sense of a timeline. You know, you have the 1960s and and uh, when Woodstock happened, a movement across the world where of free love, right? So pre pre 1960s, 1920s and 30s and 40s and 50s was a very 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 conservative, very strict strict upbringing. So you have all these kids that are being brought up in these very religious, very strict mom and dad sleeping in separate beds, mom getting dressed in closets, you know, very, very strict, shameful, lots of shame. Mm-hmm. And people went, man, I'm freaking sick of this. I'm sick. Of, I don't want to live like my parents. I don't want to live in this pent up religious. And so they went, they swung the pendulum, right? Which is what we typically do. They swung the pendulum to the other side and they went, love should be free. Why shouldn't it be free? We should be, we should, if something is good and feels good, we should give it away Hmm. and come and experience whatever my body come experience. Well, okay. So imagine you take a whole generation in the, in the sixties and seventies and they start sleeping together. They start partying. They start having fun. They start, what are they doing? They're pushing off responsibility. They're going, why would I go get a job when I can travel and and follow whoever the Beatles follow all these guys around uh, and just have a really, really good time. Well, that leads to a lot of ladies getting pregnant, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Leads to a ton of people getting pregnant. And when you go back and go, oh, where's the dad for for this girl? Well, he wants to go have fun. Remember, <laughs> it's free. This is this we're we're just we're just celebrating. It's orgies. It was all kind. We're just celebrating. We're just having fun. So you make you you put um, not only that, but you take all of the healthy peer pressure to stay married. You take that off too. So in, right. in the uh, 30s, 40s, 50s, look at the divorce rate was so low, so so low, incredibly low. Uh, because when things used to break in those days, you fixed it. I mean, you had a toaster your whole entire life. You had the same toaster. Today, if a toaster breaks, you throw it away. And we yeah. look at relationships like that. You know, it must not right. have worked. We just fell out of love. But there's no there's no real staying power today because you don't have models. No one's modeling staying power. So you could we completely shift the culture. There's no healthy peer pressure to stay in a marriage for very long because – there's not a ton of peer pressure to even have a marriage. What's yeah. the benefit of a marriage when you can go have sex, you can go have connection, you can go have sex with as many people as you want to, and there's no negative peer pressure for that. And on, on top of that, women aren't making you, they're not making you carry responsibility in order to have sex with them. Right. This is unconscious thoughts. These aren't things that guys put together. But right. you think about it today. Why do so many men, uh, so many women are looking for men, but men aren't really super looking for women right now, especially in the church. So many women are looking for husbands. Well, guys, unconsciously, two things are happening. Guys are going, there's so many available women. So that's one thing that's happening. With the, with the uh, um, invention of the internet and online dating, when, bro, when I was a kid, you couldn't date someone from out of your county. No chance. No chance. <laughs> but now you've got this one ticket that you can use internationally. Yeah, anywhere you want. Anywhere you want. 
So are you going to settle for the girl in your hometown? Right. I could get this kind of girl. I could get that kind of girl. So guys are holding on to their choice to their ticket because of this perceived idea that there's going to be a better option surely somewhere else. Then on top of that, why would I spend this right now? Which I'm going to get back. I, I'm still on the fatherless thing, but, yeah. but I am going to, why would I marry a woman and take on the responsibility of getting a job and getting a house and doing the yard and having kids and, when I watched my parents have this marriage that was so right, it's dysfunctional and broken, functional, and, yeah. arguing and broken. And so our system is so jacked right now. So, you know, the guy, the, the, well, and then on top of that, we've so twisted the, the word love that it just really doesn't mean anything. So, you know, if you can, if love is a, is a feeling and not a commitment, why would you want to get married if that feeling just goes away? Yeah. Right. You can just fall out of love. So there's so many different dynamics that are happening, but the catalyst was the 1960s and 1970s. That was the catalyst. Out of that, a whole generation of fatherlessness started. From there, all tons of broken marriage. And you can imagine if you were born into a fatherless home, the idea of getting remarried again the idea of what real healthy marriage is, the idea that marriage is a benefit and that extra responsibility is a benefit is almost completely gone. Hmm. So you don't want to make the same mistakes your parents did. I don't even know that I want to get married. Let's live together. That's a much better option. That's a safer option. But it's perpetuating the, the very thing that um, that they're trying to, to protect themselves. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think the pendulum swing thing happens everywhere. And I think we're definitely seeing it on full display in this arena, certainly. So for for you, Jason, like I think you and I are both fortunate. We grew up with dads who were present, dads who yeah. really encouraged us, believed in our dreams. But, you know, you, you've gone through divorce yourself, obviously, and, and like life is not no cakewalk by any means. Um, so whether you have had maybe a, a good father, a decent upbringing, or um, you're way on the other side and it's like uh, dad was not there and the person's aware, like, I know I have some wounding and some stuff I need to figure out. I think as you so profoundly said, if you heal the sons, then you don't need to continually heal the fathers. Um, and that really has to be the vision, I think, of every single man on planet Earth right now. Yep. What what do you do? What what like how do you kind of reconcile like, OK, dad, like, thanks a lot. Like you kind of left me in this position, um, but we know it doesn't end there. But what? How do you start to kind of, I guess, course correct or at least act on some of these things a little bit? Yeah, it's great. Uh, you, for starters, you take ownership, right? It's probably not your fault, but it, now it's your responsibility wherever you're at, which right. means that you let go of um, or you face forgiving people you need to forgive, um, blame shifting. You get out of the role of the victim because here's the thing. A lot of men don't get well because they're so angry at the past. They're so angry at their dads. They're so angry at their moms and the the really crappy life that was handed to them that they become the victim. And the victim is the most powerless role that you can have because a victim is not responsible for where they're at. <laughs> they are a victim. And, uh, but honestly, 
you're the only person that can get you to where you want to go. You're the only one. You're the only one that holds the keys to move your life forward. God won't do it for you. He didn't take the third of the angels that fell and said, no, 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 come back up here. I'm going to change your life. He went, he doesn't look at me and go, I'm going to force you to pick the right path. He goes, it's all here, bud. It's all here. No matter how you got to where you're at, you can get somewhere else if you want to. So, hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of us men are at a place in life where we have to take uh, real ownership. And then from there, you have to realize that if it took 20, 30, 40 years to build the culture and the environment that you're in, it's going to take some time right. to course correct. It's going to take some time to rebuild a culture inside here and inside here. Things that, that, that break down into real habits and, and then in daily um, um, attributes and convictions, all those things. So guys, to me, the easiest, the easiest, quickest way is to get around other men who are on that path okay. or walking that path and to start in and really do the work, you know, address the anger, uh, uh, get a real process for working through pain, not a, not a theoretical one. Right. Um, begin to address your cycles and then, you know, have a real plan for a real action plan for where you are going to be and and what you want your life to look like and what are your goals and what are your daily tasks and who's going to hold you accountable in a healthy way to those, not in a tell me your sins, but uh, accountable <laughs> for your ability. So, you know, who's going to call it the best in you day in and day out. So to me, that's where the discipleship, it's real discipleship to me. Yeah, that's really good. It's, it's discipleship. It's real discipleship where day in and day out, you're not guessing where you're going. You know where you're going. And all you got to do is show up. Yeah. Show up and do the work. Yeah. I remember one of my mentors, um, maybe this was in ministry school, but she said, you know, the bane of fatherlessness is just guys not showing up. Like she's like, oh, if, if guys were just willing to show up, even if meant they made a fool of themselves or they sucked at being a father, she's like half the problems would go away just on that alone. Um, so I think that's huge. You touched on something that I want to just poke at a little bit more, which is the process for handling pain practically. Uh, and I'm so glad you used that word because I think um, that's always lacking in a lot of the concepts around even just emotions in general. Uh, what does that look like? What, what, what do you mean to process it practically? Can you give examples? And um, if you're comfortable, I'd love to hear a personal example of maybe how you've, how you've gone through that or done that yourself. Yeah, 100%. You know, uh, growing up in the church for so long, we love theoretical uh, answers. It's the best. Theory is the best. <laughs> yeah, nail it to the cross. You know, take your pain and nail it to the cross or lay it at the feet of Jesus. So I'll tell you how I got to the conclusion of, oh, we need a real process, um, is through all those stupid BS answers. And why I say they're stupid, it's not stupid to give something to God. It's not stupid to nail something to the cross if you actually know how to do that. Hmm. But we pre it preaches really well, you know, from the front. You need to you need to go give that to Jesus. But what I see for my whole entire life is people taking a blanket of forgiveness, throwing it over their whole entire life. So they say they do the sinner's prayer. They say I forgive everyone in my life who's ever wronged me. They throw it over their life, and then they run after 
whatever. I mean, they run after God and, and, uh, and don't realize that you're still holding all of your past, unless God did a miracle, which he can't, and I've seen it. So anyone that's going, no, that I have seen it, and I'm not discrediting mm-hmm. that. But the flip side of that is so many believers didn't, they didn't leave their cross or sorry, they didn't leave their, their, their childhood. They didn't leave their past. They didn't leave the, the addiction that they, they got saved with is still with them. Yeah. And it's, it's because no one taught them a real process. And so the, the best example that I can give, and I'll try and do it in, in five minutes, what, what we do in five hours <laughs> is the best example I can, the best example that you can see is you can see Jesus. And Jesus is in the garden and he doesn't want to go through the pain. He's sweating blood, which tells you what kind of condition he's in. We normally think about Jesus and we think of this guy that doesn't hardly, he he doesn't have a ton of emotion. He's just like, he doesn't really feel anxious or doesn't feel, think about him sweating blood. And he says, father, if there's any way that we can do this different, call an audible, (laughs) do some, you know, create another plan. And father God says, this is it. This is the only plan. Hmm. So Jesus is in the garden and he's just like, wow, he's full on. And he says for the, it's for the joy before him that he went. So he's going, he doesn't want to go except for he wants the end product, which is a whole connected person. Right? So that's why he's there. The nails are getting driven into his feet. They're getting driven into his wrists. He gets a side stab. His muscles and joints are dislocated. I mean, he is suffering up there on the cross. Why is he doing it? Because of full redemption. So that he can fully, he can take all of our sin and completely cancel it out. Right? So you see Jesus up on the cross and he's suffering. They try to give him gall. So the, the, the um, guards put gall on a sponge, which gall is a painkiller. So when Jesus tastes the gall, he spits it out, which is really interesting. See, Jesus didn't want to give you a drunk, I forgive you. Hmm. He didn't want to give me a drunk, I forgive you. And you've seen it. Like if somebody's drunk and they tell you, oh man, I love you. And it's not genuine, is it? Jesus didn't want to numb the pain and say, nah, Mike, Joe, Mary, what you did, ah, let's just forget about it. It's all good. He take every single ounce of pain. He didn't, didn't push it aside, which that's what we do. We numb pain and we just try and go on, not him. Hmm. Nope. And he says something that, that uh, probably never, that he, he's never said before, Father, why have you forsaken me? He's in this process, right? He's in the middle of what is happening. He feels alone. Okay. So when Jesus said, I, I forgive you to us, when Jesus took your pain, he felt it hundred percent. Here's the first step. What people typically do, they get into a bunch of pain and they either try to process it all really quick or try to avoid it all. <laughs> right. I forgive everyone who's, who's wronged me my whole entire life. Okay. Let's throw <laughs> that away and, and let's run on. Well, it just doesn't work. Right. So, You got to process pain to me. It's not the only way. One of the best ways, just five steps. The first step, you have to sit down and journal. 
it's just to me the easiest way. Open up your journal, put on a really sad song that matches your mood. Don't put on praise and worship music. Uh, this is my version. So if this doesn't work for you, great. Yeah, that's great. Put on music that really matches your mood. This isn't a time of worship. This is a time to mourn. Hmm. This is the time to mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Which sa- right. also says, cursed are those who don't mourn, for there's no comfort. So you're mourning. Pick one thing, one memory, one thought, one moment. Don't make it up. Don't dig up the past. But if it's there, if you're in pain, take that one thing and begin to write about it. Write about it honestly. Write about it openly. Uh, it's going to be scary because of the things that you're saying and writing down. What you write down is not a commentary on your character, just a commentary on the pain. And you begin to journal it out and write it down. And eventually what happens is between crying and between processing and writing, you finally get to a place where you are starting to realize what it is that you really need from God. So, uh, Yeah, so you find one thing, then you journal it. Uh, The next thing, so step three would be you have to find the theme. So I'll give you a quick quick process of mine. In my divorce, I remember processing through the day that, uh, my wedding day. So, of course, my wife leaves. Um, it's It's a week after my wife's left. And man, I'm in so much pain. And I remember back to the day we got married, hmm. which was 10 years prior. And I run upstairs to my office because I was at church, run upstairs to my office, turn the lights off, put on sad music, open up my journal really quick, sit down and I'm crying and I'm process. I'm just, I'm literally typing out what's happening. Wow. And I just, I'm watching her come down the aisle and I'm bawling. And she gets across from me and I start to go, I start to get so angry at, I gave you something that I can never get back. Like I gave you my vows. I gave you my innocence. I gave you my, you know, I'm just the normal stuff that, that you would write. And it was, I found myself going, there's, even if she came back and said, I'm so sorry, or came back and said, oh, I wish this, I wish this life wasn't like this. Wish I went to done it. It still doesn't give me back what I've lost. And see, that's what people don't understand is even if someone's wronged you, typically the wronging is irreversible. Like they, your dad can't bring back your childhood. Your mom can't bring back your child. They can't bring back the things that happened. So you need this intervention. You need this divine intervention. So that's where when you get to that point where you can specifically go, God, what are you going to do for this piece? Hmm. So that's what I did in in the middle of that. I realized, God, what are you going to do for my innocence? Nobody's going to love me. Nobody's going to want me. And God came and gave me a promise. So I gave him, I gave him my thing that I had processed. Who's going to love me? Who's going to want me? I feel like a used, I'm used. My vows are gone. And he goes, boom. And he gives me a promise for that. Okay. It's awesome because he just did something for me that no one else can do. It's this great exchange. It really is an exchange from that place. 
I begin to go, okay, God, how do you see her? How do you see the person that's wrong? I'm just sticking with my example. And he shows me, shows me a picture of her as a baby. I'm looking at her when she, when her parents had her. And she had a very, very hard past. I don't want to go into it all, but she had a very hard past. Now I have tons of compassion. I'm right. feeling how God feels about her. From a place of compassion, and God's already met my needs. I go back and all the things that I wrote down, I say, I forgive you for this. I forgive you for that. But it's from a genuine place of compassion. Yeah, right. See, forgiveness by choice is the first level. It's it's not bad. It's an okay level, but it's not a very strong, lasting, long lasting level. Forgiveness from compassion is incredible. Hmm. And most people forgive from choice, which is fine. It's a starting point. But when your need gets met from God and you process through the pain, and then you're able to really forgive from compassion, you don't peel this onion 50,000 times. Yeah, right. You just do it one time. Huh. Now, you may have a hundred memories that you need to process through, but you're actually processing them and getting them out and getting healing for it. So to me, that's, that's the cleanest, it's the cleanest, most thorough way to really work through forgiveness. And, um, I mean, that's why I wrote a whole book on it. Yeah. That's amazing. It's yeah. really powerful. I, it's funny. Cause I think we often, um, like, yeah, we've either reduced forgiveness down to obligation, which I'm guessing would be kind of the level below like yeah. choice, right? Yeah. Um, or it's like you do it because it's the only way you can move on. It's not about uh, it's not about them. It's about you and all that kind of stuff, which, of course, is all true. But you're right. Like the way you elevate that experience and really can say, like, I have forgiven them, like my hands are clean. The same way that Jesus has forgiven us, really, it has to be from that place of compassion. I love that, man. That was really cool. It does. And it, the problem is if you start from compassion, and you don't give that guy, that little boy who really got thrashed a voice. Because here's the other thing, right? If you, if the 41-year-old Jason says, I forgive, I forgive. But let's say I got molested at 12 multiple times. And I don't give the 12-year-old a chance to talk. Hmm. He's going to keep, he'll keep bringing it up. The 12-year-old will keep bringing it up. And right. keep bringing it up and keep bringing it up because it's not really processed. Imagine it like this. And, and this is why I think this is why I bring it up because so many guys who are struggling with addiction, they're, they're not struggling with the substance or they're not struggling with, with the feeling they're struggling. They're struggling with, with what's driving, right? The addiction. Yeah. And if you don't ever meet the needs that were really in there to be met, the boy that was taken advantage of that never got a, Hey, I love you. That, that, that boy is going to go, but what about me? So it's like your 12 year old son running you up to you and saying, Hey, my uncle, uncle Joey just, just molested me. And you go, shh, shh, shh. just be quiet. It's hmm. okay. It's all under the blood. It's all forgiven. He's like, wait, that wasn't supposed to happen to me. And you're like, you're going to outgrow this stuff. Like you should be fine. He didn't really mean to do that. Like God loves him. God, mm. that's also God's son. That's what we're doing to the us, to the little us. Wow. 
And because we so want to forgive, we want to just go, shh, have no needs. Wow. Wow. All those needs that you have, all those feelings, you just need to be quiet about all that. God loves him. God's forgiven you. Don't you see little Joey, you're 12. Don't you see how much God's forgiven you? You just need to be quiet about what your uncle did to you. Hmm. And we just try to shame ourselves out of really having needs. So I'm not trying to get us so far in the weeds. I'm trying to shine a light, like real light on, guys, look at what's happening in your life. And if you're not really processing to practical steps to have you got well, are you getting well? Are you doing the things to to, to get you to, to stronger, more powerful ground? Yeah, that's really, really good. And I think people need to hear that because the... The idea of embracing the pain and confronting the emotions is really counterintuitive. It's kind of like, well, why would I make this thing worse when I can just make it better by, you know, going through the forgiveness script or whatever. But it's like, actually, your forgiveness is really only empowered when you confront those things. So I love that. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and I guess just pick your brain about kind of society at large, because you you kind of led with a pretty strong statement at the beginning that I've heard you say before which is that if you cure fatherlessness, you cure, you know, whatever it is, 80, 90% of the issues we're facing in our society. And let's not kid ourselves. We could spend a whole podcast just listing the issues in our society. They're, they're numerous. What, what for you are maybe like some of the big things were, cause I, I know you're visionary Jay. And I know that when you're, when you're doing brave co or whatever, you're, you're thinking about the downstream effect of like, if I can get these guys healed and becoming incredible fathers, then we're talking a couple of generations from now, things could look very different in our society. But I think that concept is actually very hard to imagine because we've lived in a fatherless society for so long now. What, what do you dream about? What, what changes societally when men start to heal and actually start to lead their families well? Yeah, I, I think we, right now what, what we experience a ton is the chaos and confusion, right? Because a man brings peace to chaos. That's one of the main things that he does. And it looks like a lot of different things. It looks like all the, very practically, how readily available pornography is and acceptable. Right. It's just so acceptable. I mean, what would have been considered pretty heavy porn for your, for when you were a kid, you can now, you can see it on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> you can get it in. Was there the the teenage show called Euphoria? Right. And there's twenty five or twenty seven uh, scenes with act with penises on there. You know, like full on. Like you never saw that stuff when I was a kid, ever. Like never. And yeah. so very practically, like as men begin to step up, as they begin to protect provide, promote, you see the eradication of chaos, the eradication of death, of self-gratification, of the abuse of children, the abuse of women. Um, and, And back to morals, back to standards, back to, and not even just Christ, because I, I think that Obviously, I'd want everyone to be saved and everyone to experience God's love. But I think that the movement is much bigger than than people just getting saved. And I'm not I'm not trying to downplay that. Of course. No, I totally but I'm agree. saying I think that I think that what God wants to do culturally 
is to reestablish men back in the rightful place, back in the rightful order, which brings a whole movement of purity, whether you're saved or not saved. It brings a whole movement of protection, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. It says, I no we are no longer okay with our women being sexualized. We're no longer okay with our men being perverted. We're no longer okay with our children being used and sold. And, and you know, there needs to be standards in, in a home and there needs to be standards in the way that somebody talks, you know, it just comes out in character. And it's not, yeah. to me, it's not about rules. It's about, it's about men learning how to get into the, the right role and lead and really lead. So, you know, cause here's the other, here's the, the other alternative that we see right now is so many men are running around trying to find their purpose in life. That's where you're getting all of this. That's one spot where you're getting all this crazy exploratory stuff. Hmm. LGBTQ stuff is so many people are looking for happiness from their place of brokenness. But the truth is, is that it's responsibility that gives us purpose. Right. It's responsibility. Think about it like this. If you, if you um, woke up in the morning do you feel like cleaning your room and washing your car? Definitely not. No. Now, if you clean your room and wash your car, do you feel better about yourself than if you don't? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Imagine living a life where you never clean your room, wash your car. Imagine all of the people in this world that were built and designed to leave a legacy, pour identity into somebody else, make somebody feel like they belong, hmm. nurture, go to work, whatever, envisioning with God, go to work every day, being responsible. Imagine how much satisfaction, just sheer satisfaction comes through uh, stewarding a life that God's given you. The yeah. way that, okay, even if you don't believe in God, the way that, that, actual leads to true satisfaction. I feel proud. I feel proud of the way that I'm living. I feel proud of how I'm stewarding my life. I, I plant a seed in the ground. I water it every day. Three months later, ooh, I have a harvest, a crop. Six months later, I can harvest that. Imagine the type of, of confidence, right? The confidence that only comes through doing. Hmm. So we live in a whole world which is, this is part of this, your question spurred this on to me. Yeah. We live in a world where, imagine our world shifting back to men going, okay, wait, what is my responsibility? And going, no, I want to be a, I want to be a responsible man. I want to have, I want real purpose that isn't caught up in instant gratification. Yeah, It isn't caught up in uh, what can I get out of it for me? Because a man produces more than than he than he uh, than he takes. He provides more than he takes, and you start to shift the mindset from a boy to a man. That's one of the the main differences, right? Uh, a man, a boy takes. A man produces, right? Or provides, and um, there's so many more differences. But to me, we live in a day and an age where 
It's so much instant gratification. It's so much, what can I get out of it today? It's so much powerlessness. It's so much wandering uh, people trying to find satisfaction or real, real purpose in, you know, what they can get right now. And uh, so I'm excited for men to, to really unlock what a, a life of sowing and reaping, what a life of stewardship, what a life of responsibility, the type of purpose, purpose-filled living really does for us. So hopefully that yeah. answers the question. Oh, big time, man, big time. And um, it kind of leads to my follow-up question, which um, might be a good place to kind of land it. But uh, you mentioned at the beginning, like the three responsibilities of a father to protect, to provide, and to promote. Um, those first two, I think people could at least piece an idea of, you know, what you're talking about. Um, I'd love for you to just explain the promotion part. And I'm wondering if there's an application for, I'll, I'll put myself on the altar, like I'm married, I don't have kids. If I wanted to start working in that in that area and get better at, I don't know, promoting the people around me as an example before I have my own kids, just what, what does it look like? I guess I'm just curious kind of what you mean by it and what it might look like for somebody in different contexts. Yeah, so promote to me is a leadership role. It's discover, develop, deploy. You know, so when you're thinking about promote, think discover, develop, deploy. And that's really what my dad did for me, right? When he told me the stories about David's Mighty Man, and then he saw in me the different gift mixes and he helped me explore those. My home was a place for research and development. My dad told me, I want you at 16, he said, I want you to make all of your mistakes at home. Make them all because you have me to help you. And he was that, that was him. That's really what he thought. He was in a leadership role of helping me discover what I was built to do, what I'm great at. And wow. so we would do these different things together and try it and everything from praying for the sick to um casting out demons to which you might have people on here that go i don't believe in demons cool that's great don't get caught up on that or yeah. but that was my upbringing or you know competent things like uh working on cars and and he's the one that helped me discover at 13 you're great at counseling so i've done it since uh, what 30 years <laughs> 20 wow. years i've been in the in the counseling business and and I got more intense as I got older, but I knew at 13, I'm good at this because my dad had the mindset of a leader and he thought through, how do I, how do I promote this kid? So, you know, when I was 18 years old, I wasn't just starting the journey of discovery for myself. I had been on a journey of discovery for a very long time, much like Jesus and the disciples. You see Jesus say, Hey, you guys, I see things in you that you don't see in you. Hmm come he is he is uh he's promoting them isn't he come follow me first you watch me do it then we'll do it together then i'll watch you do it then you go out right and that's very much it's the, it's the discipleship process right it's very much you know we were all to me we're all supposed to be brought up in a home where we get to discover develop deploy what who we are and, and we'll never be all of it, but we get set out on this journey with tons of confidence, with tons of momentum. And we have a really good idea of who we are in this world. So um, very practically speaking, uh, that's, that's what that's about. 
That's amazing. Yeah. So um, maybe maybe my last question for you, Jay. You talked about leaving a legacy, and um, I think the incredible thing. I'm just thinking about people who are listening who maybe have nothing to go off of, and they have to kind of create that thing for themselves. But legacy builds, right? And it, legacy is never about you. It's never even about the next generation. We're talking about multi multi generations. Um, what what's the legacy that you're hoping to leave behind for for your kids and for the people that are going to come after you? <laughs> yeah, um, that's a great question. You know, to me, first it starts with with the values um, and, and the the core values and, and the mission um, that I feel like I'm carrying on from my dad and my fathers. Hmm. Right, is is to disciple nations. And, um, I know that, that, that's, that's why my dad's so driven to do what he does is, is really to, to disciple nations. And, and so I feel like discipleship, that's why, again, that's why we created Brave Coast for discipleship. I believe that discipleship is the pathway forward. I don't think that, um, I, I love conferences. I love, I love, you know, everything that, that happens in this world that's, but discipleship to me is the real pathway forward. It's what I hope to leave my kids is, is hmm. a legacy of discipling uh, people into greatness, a legacy of character and, and conviction and values. And um, to me, uh, they would a hundred years from now, they would say we're Valentins. This is what we do. Yeah. We, we hold the high standard. We show up when we don't want to show up. Uh, we follow after the mission that God had. We're mission based. We follow the mission that's on our lives. You know, some of them will be doctors, I'm sure. Some of them will be lawyers. Some of them will be out in the woods. It doesn't matter to me the occupation. What matters to me is the, that they're walking out the mission that God's given them with with real conviction. And um, so, our our legacy is in the character. It's in the core values. It's it's. Um, what we are willing to do to accomplish the task and mission that we've been given. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Well said. I know people are probably going to want to find out more about you guys. Braveco's got a really cool 12-month course going on. Uh, we'll for sure put links in the show notes to that. But if people do want to connect with you, find out more about what's going on, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, they can go to braveco.org or um, they can follow us braveco.men on Instagram or um, Facebook as well. And then j.valatin on Instagram. So amazing. Jay, this has been so good, man. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, that was my interview with Jay Valentin. And I hope you caught what he said there about processing pain. I thought that was really good. And I just appreciate his story. You know, it's really interesting. Um, just hearing about, you know, when somebody has been through divorce and some of the trauma and stuff he mentioned, I just found that really insightful, really interesting. And I, I hope you did too. I want to encourage you guys to go check out Brave Co. I think especially if you, if you feel like the message is resonating, they're really big on, um, like creating healthy masculine culture. And we had Aaron Zint on the podcast, who's also a leader in that community. That was probably back in maybe September or October. And, these guys have cultivated something really special. So I'd encourage you to go check it out. They also, they also have a challenge coming up. He didn't mention that. I think we were talking about that after we uh, finished recording. But I'll put a link there in the show notes. Definitely go check that one out. 
And um, and I would just encourage you, follow these guys on their socials, keep up to date with them. They have some great stuff there as well. And if you're looking to be part of a community that's going to really help you just uh, walk alongside the journey to freedom with some coaching, with some support, with some regular trainings and teachings, we have a free private community called Deep Clean Inner Circle. I'd love for you to be a part of it and I want to personally invite you to join it. You can just click the link in the show notes. That'll take you to just a very quick application just to make sure that you know, you're a good fit and that we're, we're offering you what you're looking for. If everything, if everything looks good there, you'll be accepted into our community and we can connect there. And that'd be really fun. I'd love to just be a part of your recovery journey and to help you along the way. So thank you guys so much for listening. I wish you an incredible day. We'll talk very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.